Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I don't know if you're going to be fighting for your right to party, but you're going to be fighting or at least paying a fine for partying. At least that's according to a new nuisance bylaw that we are hearing City Council is possibly going to be bringing into effect. And that would allow police, I guess, to do some things they can't right now do. I want to bring in Councillor John Paul Danko, a Ward 8 Councillor running for re-election, just so that's clear, so everyone knows. Uh, Councillor, thanks for doing this today. I really appreciate it. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me on. Explain, okay, so you were discussing this today. Explain what a new anti-nuisance, I think that's the proper name for it, uh, bylaw would do. Yeah, we're, we're not talking just about any kind of party, just a, you know, a little gathering with your friends or, or even a, you know, a street party in your court or something like that. We're talking about these kind of major parties uh, in and around McMaster and, and in the past in Mohawk uh, that get completely out of control and end up uh, destroying your, you know, and impacting entire blocks of the city. Uh, if you'll remember last year, there was, uh, the, I think it was a fake homecoming party down at McMaster, and then there was a St. Patrick's Day party. And these get, you know, advertised and broadcast on social media, and uh, they end up being just like an, an enormous uh, nuisance for the neighborhood and for the city. The, uh, the St. Patrick's Day party down at McMaster cost city taxpayers uh, $243,000 in paramedics, in policing, in road closures, in traffic control. Uh, so there's some major costs to these. So what, what we're looking at is this uh, a new bylaw, and you and I have talked about uh, bylaws in the past. Uh, yeah. This bylaw allows the police and bylaw uh, a lot more um, leverage to shut these parties down and to stop them before they even get started. Well, let's talk about that then, about the bylaws for a second, because before I came on today, I was looking to double check this. We have a noise bylaw. We have a public nuisance bylaw. We have traffic bylaws. We have road closure bylaws. We have have laws, public uh, provincial laws that ban open alcohol in public places. We have laws that ban public intoxication. Those seem to cover almost all the ingredients that are in this one. Why not just use the laws that we have in place and, and have the police uh, use them to shut these things down? Why, why will a new law that just captures all these be better? So we do have uh, existing bylaws that cover pretty much everything that, that you mentioned. Uh, some of the other ones are public urination, public defecation, that kind of thing. Um, but these these parties get so out of hand that... They are very hard for our municipal law enforcement and for police to actually get in there and enforce uh, those bylaws that are already on the books. So this new bylaw is really an augmentation of the existing ones that has specific fines to hold homeowners themselves responsible, uh, has very specific fines to, uh, to hold the people that attend uh, responsible, and it allows uh, you know, the police and the city much more leverage uh, to to enforce the bylaws that are already in place and the people that are participating to hold them responsible. But if the police couldn't get in to charge someone with a bylaw before because it was too difficult, why will it be easier to do it this time just because it's a different bylaw? Well, there, there are some um, mechanisms of the existing bylaw that were problematic, from my understanding, from police anyway, uh, that they needed a little bit more authority to be able to go in and charge with 
with no um, no education campaign, no 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 tolerance. Basically, this is a zero tolerance uh, policy. So it allows them a bit more authority. Um, and this was done in consultation with police. This is something that they asked for uh, specifically in order to help them police these kinds of events. I was going to say, now, are you sure? Because the Prime Minister said that about the Emergencies Act, and we heard the police didn't really say so, but I'll trust that they, they said that. Uh, will these will these bylaws allow, when you're talking about who can be fined, so property owners could be fined or individuals, could McMaster University be fined under the bylaw for having its students out in public and causing this problem? I think that's an excellent question, and uh, that was part of the discussion today, that we want to make sure that McMaster is part of this, this conversation and that they are responsible for their students. Uh, Queen's University in Kingston contributes $300,000 over three years towards the exact same kind of bylaw enforcement. So there's a lot of behind-the-scenes um, collaboration that goes on between the university and the city of Kingston and the Kingston Police Force and Queen's University pays for part of that work. Um, and I think it's it's time that we expect the same thing for McMaster. Well, I mean, part of this too, and I, I don't know whether you want to jump in and comment on this, but part of it is it seems that, at least according to the spec, with a, a quote that the spec had in today's paper, um, the, the university has not had any kind of homecoming on site for a number of years now. And it seems if you're going to take a bunch of university students and say, we're not going to allow you to do it here, they're not going to just not do it. It's inevitable it's going to spill out into the community. Perhaps it's time for the university to revisit this and say, let's just do it, but do it in a safe way. But we're not going to just tell people, you know, no, knowing that it's going to happen. Yeah, and again, it's it's the reason why there's such a congregation of students in that area or people that are going to be going to these kinds of parties is because of the university. So whether it happens on campus or it happens in the community, we know that you know, when, when large groups of students get together, uh, there is the potential for this kind of uh, party. And I think there's a lot more things that McMaster and other universities can do. Uh, things like if you are found to be attending something like this in the community, uh, it's against the university's, uh, you know, uh, uh, guidelines for how you're supposed to behave. And, you know, maybe your marks get withheld or you, you know, don't graduate. So, I think there's there's different ways that McMaster can participate and and be a little bit more responsible as a community partner, uh, as well as having those on-campus sanctioned events, as you mentioned. Well, and as you said, how much did you say that it was that it cost the city last year? $243,000 just for one party on St. Patrick's Day. See, because, I mean, you almost get to the point where you say, okay, maybe the city should be asking McMaster. Well, like, I pay an education levy on my taxes, even though I don't have any kids in school. That's fine. I'm happy to do that. I know how that works. And we may be talking about paying more taxes for public transit, even though some people may or may not use it. Maybe it's time for the students at McMaster to have a levy on their tuition to pay so the city, so McMaster can pay for the, pay the city to, to cover this, even though some will say, well, I don't go to the parties. Well, Maybe that has to happen. Maybe something has to happen so the taxpayers aren't saddled with this. Yeah, the, the clean up the road levy. Um, I, I think, you know, again, from the city's perspective, we'd much prefer if these kinds of giant parties just didn't happen in the first place. And that's also part of what we're trying to work towards. It's working with McMaster, working with, uh, you know, the students' unions 
and uh, different students groups to have uh, discussions beforehand to kind of anticipate what might happen, what they're hearing, and uh, ways that we can get police and bylaw involved right from the very beginning. As soon as we hear a, a whisper of something like this happen, um, having that uh, direct lines of communications to stop it before it, it ends up being a, a much bigger problem than it should be. All right, we have very little time, but let me ask you about that whisper of hearing this is going to happen. One of the things, I don't know if it lasted, I don't know if it made it through today, because I know it was originally going to be discussed, was the idea of a preemptive situation where the city could say, we're, we're declaring this a party-free zone. I, I don't know the exact words, but whatever. Um, did, did that First of all, did that get through with what was being discussed today, and how exactly would that work, and what would that mean? Well, we do have a city-sanctioned uh, party. So if you have a wedding in your backyard, you can get a, an occupation permit, you can get a liquor, liquor license, you can get a noise exemption permit. So there are ways to do this legally, but not at the scale that we're talking about for these giant nuisance parties. No, but there was a, I thought there was a proposal that said that if we hear that there might be one of these, that this nuisance bylaw could be put into effect preemptively and therefore it was a, like a preemptive strike against this. Was that not the case? I, I, I don't recall there being preemptive okay. fines or anything like that, but there would there's definitely preemptive discussion in order to, you know, if you do hear of organizers that they, you know, will get a knock on the door by police and say, hey, listen, uh, you probably shouldn't go through with this. Interesting. Uh, people can read about it more. They'll hear it. We're going to be talking about it, I'm sure, here on the station for a bit. You'll hear it everywhere. Uh, Councillor John Paul Danko, appreciate the time today. Anytime. Thanks for having me on. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. What a furball the Ticats coughed up yesterday on Labor Day. Let me bring in Steve Foxcroft, CF, well, not a CFL, an NFL official, a sports commentator, a basketball, he does everything. And he watches the Ticats. Uh, whether that's good for him or not, I'm not sure today. But Steve, how are you? I'm doing good. Mr. Radley, and on, in honor of the first day of school, I'll call you Mr. Radley, like I used to call my <laughs> teachers. All right. Do you give me an apple, too? Yeah, I'll bring you an apple. Yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Hey, Wendy's has a uh, caramel apple frosty now, I just saw. Well, I didn't. Really? Yeah, I saw that. Maybe have well, to. There you go. That's got to be. That's got to be better than pumpkin spice latte at Starbucks. So maybe I'll have to try that one in the next few days. That's, give uh, it a whirl. Okay, so um, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being non-stinky and 10 being full stinkage, how was that Labor Day game yesterday? Well, that was, you know, it ended up being a 12 out of 10, but as Hmm. we went along, it was just like a 3, 4 out of 10, I thought, but typical of the Ticats this year, the second half, it disintegrated, and that made it catapult to a 12 out of 10 for me and you know it's inexcusable that we let the Argos come in and embarrass us uh, on Labor Day any any other day we can we can swallow it better but not on Labor Day and then especially Speedy B had his best game of the season too and that just added to the uh, bad taste that we all have in our mouths today. You are being kinder than I am uh, by saying the first half was not that bad. I mean, they didn't score a point on offense. You can say, well, they got a point on a punt. Uh, And so, but even that, it's not even a missed field goal that was wide that got them a single. They literally scored nothing on offense in this game. 
on Labor Day in front of the home crowd. I know the weather wasn't great, but Steve, I mean, look, I, I can't recall, honestly, I can't recall going back to the truly horrendous years of 2003, 2004. I can't remember a Labor Day game that was that bad. It was bad. It it reminded me of how I felt like the year John Gregory took over and we were all for the all for Labor Day, like all for the season up until Labor Day, but we actually won that game. And and that was the magic of Labor Day. And this was that in reverse almost, right? And and getting back to that, like the CFL changed the rules this year to make offense uh, flourish more. And it's actually hard, I think, in the CFL not to score a point on offense. Like you'd argue that yours, like that special teams where they got the single point, punting yeah. it into the wind where the Argo uh, punt returner just misjudged the fact that we could kick it that far. So, you know, not scoring on offense is a huge concern, especially I will, when they change yeah. the rules this year. I will count, even though it's technically special teams, if you miss a field goal even and get the single that way, I'll count that as offense because you put yourself mm-hmm. in range at least. You did something in an attack mode to give you a point, even though technically it's, but this was not that. This was just a, overall a absolute stinker of a game. And look, it, you're right. The first half, at least they were close, mostly because Toronto was almost as bad as they were. I mean, here's here's the problem, Steve. From an end, uh, the football season is you know it's a wash. I mean, the Ty Cats. I'm sorry, not the franchise. I'm talking this year, the 2022 Hamilton Ty Cats stink. They stink. They are a terrible team. They are three and nine. They stink. But worse, the entertainment value of this game and others. I, I'm telling you, there's been some amazing CFL games this year, but there's been a bunch where. You look and you go, man. Where are you? Where are you finding your new fans? If this is what you're offering, it's going to be tough to sell tickets the rest of the season. Now, after you have everyone at the park and watching on TV for Labor Day and perform like that, um, I don't know. Get the game before the Montreal game that went down to the wire. Was it exciting? Like, like I found that at least exciting because we won the game and then we lost the game right at the end with the the two kicks right at the end of the game. So that's been sort of the story of, it seems like the last year and a half is the games have at least been close at times. Right. And the, the Eastern teams have been giving us fits like Montreal has been giving us fits the last two years. The Argos have been giving us fits, but at least with the Argos on labor day and over the years, we win the games when they count like last year, we went in for the Eastern final and we won the game that counted to, to host, to host the gray cup and be in it. Like that was, that was pretty special. So there's, I just think, you know, as I sit back and I try to look at it rationally instead of as a fanatic, like a lifelong tiger cat fan uh, that bleeds the black and gold where you want to react and make all these changes and do everything. When I look at it, when I step back and look at it, and I know this is never an excuse that Coach O or any coach wants to use, we have to be healthy. Like, when was the last time we went four deep at the quarterback position and probably eight or ten deep on the offensive line, you know? So I yeah, look but at I, that. that. Okay, and I grant you that in this particular game, you had to go that deep in the quarterback position, but they didn't suddenly become three and nine because of one game. They've had quarterbacks during the year, and they're still three and nine. 
And so this is just, it's not a good team right now. And, you know, here's the other thing, Steve, is the fact that they are three and nine, they are only one game out of a playoff spot, which is, I'm sorry, again, I I know this may be unpopular with Ticat fans who are saying, I don't care how we get in the playoffs, just get in and we get a chance. There is no league in the world in which you should be three and nine and vying for a playoff spot. They should be dead and buried by now. I agree with that. I agree with that. And it looks to like then if you somehow make the Grey Cup, are you are you even a worthy opponent to be in there against maybe you know the best team that comes out of the West? And you know throughout the league too. The we talk. I talked about the quarterback position. The quarterback position for most teams has been a problem. You know Montreal, Ottawa. Now Nathan Rourke and BC goes down and. You know, we don't have the stuff. Where's the Doug Fluties? And even Bo Levi Mitchell is getting benched. And, and Caleros and Vajardo may be the best quarterbacks in the league right now. And I think we got to get back to some, we got to get back where there's some superstar quarterbacks. Agreed. You know, Flutie, Agreed. And we had a bunch of them too. Mike, Mike Kerrigan, Danny McManus, who they're honoring pretty soon. Like, yeah. that's, I think a lot of teams have that problem too. Well, that's a, that's an NFL problem. That That's because for a long time, the CFL had a, a a game that suited a certain type of quarterback, smaller, mobile, could run around, could work with his feet. And the NFL wanted guys who would drop back and then pass. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden the NFL decided, no, we need those guys. So there's a bunch of guys in the NFL right now who 20 years ago would have been playing in the CFL because their style of play would not fit the NFL. And you, all of a sudden, you bring up, let's say, Russell Wilson may have always made the NFL, but go down the list. There's probably, you could name five NFL quarterbacks, starters right now, who 20 years ago would never have been in the NFL. That's that's a very good point. And they would have been here. Yeah, they'd be here, they'd be playing our league, and our league would be better for it, that's for sure. You know, it was great. The one guy I got to talk I mentioned Nathan Rourke, so it was good to see Russ Jackson was in in the building yesterday. So great great. to catch up with him. So many other... uh, Neil Lumsden, too, out on the field for the uh, ceremony at the start, giving the game ball. And Minister Lumsden, sorry, not Neil Lumsden, Minister Lumsden. So, yes, but, Mr. Know, Mr. Neil I, Lumsden now. <laughs> the, the one thing that I'm very proud of of this year's team, though, because it goes back to last year, is our defense. Our defense is so good. Like, when you look at the points we've given up over the course of the year, they put the team in a position to at least be in games and a chance to win games. Like, I think if you give up less than a touchdown a quarter, you're doing pretty good in, in a good CFL, right? And we've done that. Like, late in the game, we'd give up 8, 11 points, something like that. And every game, it seems to be like that. So credit Mark Washington. I think he's done a great job with our defense. Yeah, yeah, a defense can only do so much when the offense can't score a single point. Um, so right. here's the here's the other thing that now I think is going to be a challenge. You said a moment ago it's going to be tough to sell tickets. I wholeheartedly agree with you, but making it even more difficult, I think, and I touched on this at the beginning of the show, Thursday night, the Buffalo Bills, where you work as a, a official, an off-field official there, mm-hmm. um, Thursday night the Buffalo Bills kick off their season most people that are out there are saying, if not the favorites to win the Super Bowl, certainly in the top three. And most people are saying they expect them to be, if not the top rated offense in the top three. Last year, if they're anything like they were last year, unbelievably exciting team. 
And now you've got, so the Buffalo Bills just a little ways down the road, getting lots of TV time, are going to be who you're competing with for eyeballs because now the Ticats and what they are doing is going to be com- for entertainment purposes only compared to the Buffalo Bills. That's a losing battle with this team. Right now, you know, it's funny you brought that up because I've been thinking about that as the season has progressed with the Tiger Cats because for me, for me, being involved with both teams or, you know, being a fan of the Cats, working for the Bills, over the years I've loved it when both teams have been competitive and decent. And this is, it's like the little boy on the schoolyard talking about the first day of school again on the teeter-totter, right? When the big kid has the other kid elevated and won't let him down. Well, that's what the Buffalo Bills are from a competitive market right now to the Tiger Cats, you could say. Because the other thing is, Bills tickets, you can't get them right now. So if you do want to try to go to a game, you're getting them on a secondary market. So your dollar spend is that much more right now if you're interested in making the track and wanting to go. Which oh, yeah. A lot of people want to do that right now because it's a big deal. You could you know, buy so right now. dollar. You can buy right now Ticat season's tickets for the price on the secondary market of a Bills Monday night football ticket. I think they play two Monday night games this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Fortunately, my son, for Father's Day and my birthday, bought me Monday night football tickets for one of their games this year. And we've been following the secondary market thinking, we really want to go to the game and we're going to go to the game. But my, we could sell this and pocket some good coin. We're not going yeah. to, we're going to go. But yeah. It, yeah, it's it's big, big money now to go, and yet people are willing to do it because that really team is going to be exciting. Yeah, because of what you said, they're a contender, they're a favorite, they're they're going to be exciting, they're going to be good, and that's the people want to be involved in that. People want to be in the stadium for that, and they'll pay the price to do it. And unfortunately for the Ticats now, they have to what you said, they have to stay in contention for a playoff spot, right? They have to have their remaining games be relevant to. Mm-hmm to get the fans in the stands and, and get them to buy it, buy and hopefully sell out Iverwin's, not Iverwin, Tim Hortons Field again. That's okay, I call it that We talk about too. Labor Day and I automatically think of Iverwin Stadium because I probably went to about 35 Labor Day games there. So will the Buffalo, okay, so the Buffalo Bills, I say they start on Thursday, they kick off against, of course, the Super Bowl champions, the LA Rams, mm-hmm. because so why make it easy? Um <laughs> Will the Buffalo Bills, is this finally going to be the year the Buffalo Bills end up winning it? That is a great question. I think they are like what you said. They're like a final four team for sure. Like they should be able to do that with their eyes closed. But in the playoffs then, you don't know, you don't know what's going to happen. But the one thing that the Bills will have in their favor, I believe, is the home field advantage through the playoffs. They should be a good enough team, although they do have a tough schedule to start. Uh, it gets a little easier later in the year, but if they can secure home field advantage, that should get them a great opportunity to at least make the Super Bowl. And then from there, it's depending on who you're up against and who has the better day. But the one thing I've found about Josh Allen in the last few years as he's grown up in front of our eyes, he likes the bright light. He has his best games when they're national TV games. And and most people think every game's a national game. They aren't. You know, we know the national games, the, the Sunday at 4 o'clock, the Sunday night and Monday night and Thursday night games, but Thanksgiving they're playing on again. He's had great games when they're national. So I would, I would say that I think this is the year that the Bills do it because they just look that 
good up and down the lineup. However, we live in the neighbor, we live in the shadow, not the shadow. We live near enough to Western New York <laughs> to know wide right, the lost helmet, the Music City Miracle, toe in the crease, coin flip, just like single words that mean a lot. It is and the it is the, 13 seconds. The, 13 seconds. Well, that was City. coin flip. I'll call it the <laughs> yeah, same one, but flip. yeah, 13 okay, seconds. Right. Coin flip. 13 seconds. Oh. There is some kind of cosmic thing that says that not only can a Buffalo team not win, that, that, the, that the cosmos will not allow a Buffalo team to win, but it ha- they have to lose in the most painful way possible that entirely ruins the psyche of their people. They can't just lose. They can't go to a game and just lose. It has Thanks. to be in a horrendous, weird kind of way that just torments the fans. Thankfully, on the first day of school, we don't have to think about that until probably late January <laughs> or February 12th of Super Bowl Sunday. What other city has had leagues change rules specifically because of playoff losses that they were in? The toe in the crease rule got changed right after Buffalo lost the cup because of it. And now the coin flip and overtime rule changed after Buffalo loses. It's They're the only city that can possibly have these kind of things that are so egregious that leagues change entire policies because of it. It's Only torturous. Them. To be a Buffalo sports fan, it has been torturous. So we got to hopefully put that to bed this year. Hopefully the Ticats can rebound and hopefully the Bills can make up for all those years and uh, and those situations that you just listed quite eloquently, I might add, too. Uh, I just, I, 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 I hope the Bills can do it. I mean, it, there is no fan base on planet Earth anywhere. And I don't just mean in the North American sports. There is no fan base anywhere that deserves a championship more than the long-suffering fans of Buffalo. And that includes the people in Toronto. They got their Raptors championship a few years ago. There is no one. No, even... When you remember the Raptors parade, could you imagine what the Bills parade would be like comparatively? They would... There would be... There would be nobody. There would be nobody left in their homes. Like some, some burglar would be able to clean out all of North Tonawanda and East Cheektowaga because there would be nobody in their homes at all. And even if the alarm started going off, the police would all be at the parade too. You could literally rob everybody of everything because it would be that big. But uh, I don't know. know They wouldn't mind a bit. They would love it. (laughs) Probably. Just don't touch my bill stuff. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Take everything I got, leave my bill stuff there. I just, uh, we'll see. We'll see. But I just, I, I've, I just have this horrible feeling that they're going to get to the Super Bowl, and then something will happen. Somebody will get hurt. Something weird will go down. They'll be the first team that the official flips the coin and it lands on its side or something like it, that. That that would be Buffalo. That, that would be would, Buffalo. Yeah, that would be the curse. The curse would continue for the Bills and all and buff, the Buffalo sports fan. Yeah, well, let's hope not. But anyway, well, yeah. at least Thank the you bills. For letting me lament and just get it talk out loud a little bit after Labor Day because that you know we left the stadium pretty bruised uh, yesterday. So I, oh. it's good good to have a chance to talk about it. So, Steve, I said at the beginning of the show that I am going to insist from now on that we don't apply the word classic to the Labor Day game until <laughs> after the game is played, and then we determine whether it earned it because this one did not. No, that was a that was a stinker, and then, and then the weather came in 
too, to dampen our spirits as well, which wasn't wasn't expected from what I was told anyways. Steve Foxcroft, always appreciate having you on, man. Thank you for doing this. Good to catch up. Thanks, Scott. Have a great day. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.